0: To Totalis Rankium this week, Valentinian III. Hello and welcome to Roman Empress Totalis Rankium. I am Jamie and I'm
1: Rob ranking all of the emperors from Augustus to Augustus and this is episode seventy-five, Valentinian the Three.
0: Yes, it is. Thank you for mouthing along. That's all right. It's not off-putting at all. No, at all. Yeah. Would you really freak out after the whole episode? <laughs> yes,
1: <laughs> I would. I'd be impressed and terrified you're still doing it. How are you doing that, Jamie? Magic. Right. So, we're back in the West. Yay. Yes. Noise is dead. Finally. <laughs> Finally. Thought everyone. Yeah, so we're uh, we're jumping around a lot at the moment, so a quick recap. So, after the mass invasion came across the Rhine in 405-406, and the uprising of Constantine III and others, plus the sacking of Rome, the West was looking a bit of a mess. A bit shaky. Yes. And upstepped Constantius III. He was great. He was great, and he did a remarkably good job of sorting everything out. He did. He brought stability back. Yeah, well done. And then he died. But... All the uprisings were put down, and the Western Empire mostly was rid of barbarian troops. Mostly. Oh. Of course, not completely. There were still the Goths, remember. They're not gone, but they had been formally settled in the bottom left part of France. (laughs) Little pen. Yeah. (laughs) Just stay there. (laughs) Said Constantius before backing off. Yeah, This was a good place to keep the Goths, because they could keep an eye on Spain. Mm. If you remember, Constantius III and the Goths had spent a while clearing out Spain yes. from all the Vandals and the Alans and the Suvi. However, despite lots of victories and half the Vandals being wiped out and almost all the Alans being wiped out, which was a horrible massacre, so much blood on those white shirts, <laughs> so many accountants dead in one day. Ooh. It was like... Black Monday all over. Again. <laughs> anyway, uh, all the surviving Alans that hadn't quite been killed ran off and joined the remaining Vandals. <laughs> Remember, the Vandals had split into two big groups. Yes. So one group was wiped out, but the other group was still there. So the Vandals and Alans joined forces, and the Suve were still there as well.
0: Really?
1: So still, still some problems over in Spain. Hmm. Also, don't forget, Theodosius is in charge in the east. <laughs> yeah, he is. Yes, he's near the start of his reign at yeah. this point. So there you go, that brings us up to date, and we can begin Valentinian III. So he was born in 419, to the very impressive parents of Constantius III and Gala Placidia. Oh. That's some uh, some good parentage
0: there. Yeah, so and, I'm expecting big things then.
1: Yeah, Constantius III, a Genet Caesar winner, and Gala Placidia, so far, if you remember, has been kidnapped by the Goths. Married a Tulf, had a child with him. The child then died. Then she came back to Rome and married Constantius III. Quite the life she's had so far. Yeah, yeah. So his son should be good. Should we just given the Genesius now? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Call it a day. Let's carry on just in case, though. <laughs> Valentinian III was, <laughs> already had a sister when he was born, and this was a girl I mentioned last week named
0: Honoria. <laughs> yeah. And uh, she will come up later. Okay. Oh, you said she does something really stupid. Oh, yes. You just wait for that part. Okay.
1: (laughs) So, when Valentinian was a couple of years old, his father became joint emperor with his uncle Honorius. But then his father died. So Constantius III is dead. Sad. This left little Valentinian, Honora, and their mother all alone in the capital with Honorius. And the other hundreds of thousands of people who lived there. (laughs) Yeah. To begin with... Gala Plisidia seemed to grow in power, becoming closer to her brother. But then the rumours begin. Rumours. Yes.
0: Very good album. Yes. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, uh, uh, Pliud with Mac. Pliud with Mac. Yes. yes, I remember. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, I know. Yes, very good. So yeah, the rumours then begin.
1: Rumours of the two of them getting to know each other.
0: Ugh, yeah. that's disgusting. It's not good. How would anyone like that? I don't know. I know it's in vogue at the moment, what with Game of Thrones, but... Yeah, yeah. and <laughs> unfortunately, because everyone puts little hints on like that on Facebook, I kind of know what's going to happen at the end, which is annoying. I, I can't, kind of... I know. Yeah, I think I kind know of a bit. Oh, okay. I <laughs> won't say that because I'm not a... D- <laughs> <laughs> Better beep <beat> there. <that.
1: laughs> right, well, details are sketchy here. This is probably just a rumour. But whatever happened, it would appear that Honorius and Gala Placidia fall out at this point. Not only did they fall out, but the soldiers guarding Honorius and the Gothic soldiers guarding Gala did not get on. And if you remember... Did they ever? Gala Placidia, when she got married to a Tulf, a Tulf gave her a personal bodyguard of Goths. Oh yes, remember that? Yeah, so they're still hanging around. So Honorius's guard and these Gothic guards start to fight. (laughs) Yeah, it's not good. Blood was soon shed and it was realised that this could not go on. So it was decided that it would be best all round if Gala Placidia and her two children went to Constantinople to live with their cousins. It's probably easier. Yeah, and it was not long after that, Honorius died. In a boring way. (laughs) The West did not have an emperor. Oh dear. And the only logical heir was in the East, a little child in Constantinople. So the little two-year-old. That's Valentinian, yes. Yeah. Now we saw what happened when Gallop Sidia and her children arrived in Constantinople last week, so let's have a look at what's going on in Italy, shall we? It took a few months of internal fighting, which we know little about, but eventually the West decided to declare their own
0: emperor, rather than wait for the East to give them one. Fair enough. It kind of makes sense, doesn't it's it? kind of their own thing now, so...
1: Yeah. So, Huanus, or Johnus, or Joanus, which was your <laughs> favourite, or just John. Let's uh, go with John. So many different ways you can say his name. Yeah, John was a respected senator, and I will quote here, he was gentle and capable of valorous deeds. That's, That's quite nice, good. isn't it? Yeah. I mean, he is a footnote in Roman history, but that's quite a nice little footnote.
0: Yeah, it's not a negative one. No. Not saying he was a git. <laughs> that would be... <laughs> I'd love to find that in an ancient text. <laughs> Bit of a git.
1: John, the first of his name, was a git. <laughs> there, just moved on. Yeah. yeah it would be good. Yeah, no, no apparently he's quite nice. He didn't rise to the top all on his own, however. Honorius is Praetorian prefect perhaps realising that being the emperor was a mugs game. Who wants to be the emperor nowadays? You want to be the power behind the throne. That's so last century. Exactly. So the Praetorian Prefect wanted to stay the Praetorian Prefect, so he decided to promote John as the new emperor. It took a while, but eventually there was enough support, and games were held in Rome to celebrate, and John was announced as emperor. Did he change his name to Valentinian three? No,
0: no. This is John, who is now usurping... He's not usurping, he's been made an emperor. According to the West. The, the West. And all the games and stuff. Everyone seems very happy about that. Victorian prefect? Yeah, but... I'm seeing this as a usurpation. But it's a very gent- nice one.
1: It is, but let's face it, Valentinian III is the obvious heir. Just because he happened
0: to be on holiday at the time doesn't mean that John gets <laughs> to be emperor. <laughs> well, it's like when, when you're, you're waiting for a parcel. Yeah. You go to the shop to buy get some chips that I did this morning. Yeah. And you miss that you may just miss your chance. Little slip at the bottom of your door saying, We missed you, sorry. Your parcel's now at thirty-three. So you're saying therefore
1: 33 now legally own your parcel?
0: No, I'm just trying to say <laughs> so it falls down, doesn't it? it? it does a little bit. <laughs> yeah, okay. And that's what I'm trying to say. He's a usurper. Yeah, good. So yeah. we decided. Then. Yeah. Using the good old parcel and chips analogy. Yeah. Good, I'm glad
1: you agree. (laughs) So, (laughs) John is declared emperor. However, not everyone supports him. Another reason to say that he's a usurper and not an emperor. Boniface, or Bony (laughs) Face, or Bonifacius, but I'm calling him Bony Face.
0: Yeah, Bony Face. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Is currently in charge of Africa and he did not support this usurpation and refused to recognise the new emperor and wrote to Constantinople saying, don't worry, Africa's behind you.
0: Yeah,
1: he-man. A (laughs) skeletal sort of thing. (laughs) Yeah. So, John decided that it was time to get the East to recognise him and he sent envoys to Constantinople and if Constantinople had sent something back saying, yes, you can be emperor, even if they were lying, then he would have got an episode. Yeah. But... They don't. Theodosius exiles those envoys, doesn't even let them return. So John got the message, even though he didn't get the message. <laughs> Order. War was prepared for. Oh, East versus West. Yes. Well, sort of. East versus West, but it's a usurpation. It's uh, East. But everyone in the West doesn't uh, seem to
0: mind. So, any people uh, in the East that care?
1: Well, Africa cares. That's. Not even... And there's a lot of support for Valentinian and Gala in the West as well. Okay. Yeah. I'm <laughs> just not convinced, I No. <laughs> anyway, cut, cut to Constantinople. If you remember last week, Gala Placidia, Theodosius and his sister Pulchera yeah, sought out a pact where the East would recognise Constantius III posthumously and therefore <laughs> his son, Valentinian III, is
0: now the rightful heir. So he's your... Caesar.
1: Yeah. And in return, land would be passed to the east. And also, just to make sure the pact works, Valentinian would marry Theodosius' daughter when they both came of age. Yay. Excellent. All sorted. So Theodosius raises an army for Placidia, and they head back to Italy. The army was led by a father and son duo. Ooh. Yes. Called Ardaburus and Asper couple of very capable generals. The son Asper, took the army into North Italy with speed, taking John by surprise and securing Aquileia. okay. Yeah, good start. However, Ardaburus hit a storm at sea when he was transferring troops and was captured and was taken to Ravenna. No! Not good. This should be disastrous, shouldn't it? That's a big chunk of your army gone and the general... Yeah. But actually, this turned out to be a good thing for Valentinian because John did not execute Ardaburus and allowed him pretty much free reign in Ravenna. Sort of house arrest in Ravenna. Just stay Gentle in the palace. house arrest, okay. Yeah. So Ardaburus uses this opportunity to go around the court talking to everyone about the size of his son's army. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know something, you got the wrong message from that, are yeah. I beg your pardon?
1: His army. <laughs> this big. That is big. <laughs> didn't know that was possible. (laughs) So yeah, not only this, he also talked about all the reinforcements that Theodosius was bound to be sending by now, and also how Theodosius and the future Valentinian would remember those
0: who chose the right side. So from the inside, subtly causing sort of a shift in allegiances. Yes, now the allegiance was already very shaky.
1: Rome had already declared for Valentinian by this point. They didn't want anything to do with him. So at this point, it was pretty much Ravenna on its own. This is why I'm saying this is a usurpation.
0: It is now. Now you can get more information about (laughs) it. Yeah,
1: I agree. (laughs) Yeah. And it's also collapsing on the inside. Because by the time Asper arrives at Ravenna, the doors were just thrown open and John was handed over. Oh. Loyal. Loyal (laughs) system. Yes. Who? John? Oh! (laughs) Yes, him. No, I didn't realise he wanted to be emperor. He didn't say anything about it, but yeah, have him. That's oh, yeah, that
0: always wears that blue robe, isn't he? Yeah. No, but he wanted a purple one, but yeah.
1: he's not emperor. <laughs> anyway, Valentinian, yes, spotted him all along. Come on in. <laughs> keeping the throne warm. Yeah. John had his hand cut off. Ooh. And then he was tied to a donkey,
0: rode up to Aquileia, where he was then executed. Why? Why get the hand off first? Why don't you just execute him? Uh, to make it difficult because he can't hold on to donkey properly? I don't know. That like one bloody stump trying to hold on to the mane, and the one wrapped around the donkey's poor neck.
1: It's not a nice image, is it? It's not. No, I don't know why this happened, but it happened apparently.
0: Is it cause he's seen as a thief, he stole. Oh, you know what? That could be it. See, I'm a historian. I, I like that. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's nice. Thank you. Yeah. tried to steal the empire cut off your hand then execute because why not
1: yeah i don't i'm gonna give you 10 points for that yes yeah 75 episodes that could put you up to 10 points yes Yes. so valentinian wins (laughs) i mean he's still very much a toddler at this point but the war is won in his name yeah (laughs) so after some political haggling with the east just to hammer out those fine details Valentinian is declared the ruler of the West. Mm. He's now emperor, and he's five years old. And it was decided because of this, Galla Placidia should rule as regent. So, everything's looking good. Especially for Galla. Yeah. yeah, she had full control. It was then that a massive Hunnic army showed up. Yes. <laughs> and at the head of this army was a Roman general, a supporter of John. Oh. And his name is Aetius. Aetius. A famous man. Is he? Oh, yes, for reasons we will see. He's a big name in Roman history. Now, as we've seen recently, the power of the emperors has waned significantly. (laughs) Yeah, they have. And our episodes are mainly talking about the powerful men behind the throne. Yeah. Today's episode's going to be about Aetius. Oh, okay. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Plus a few other people, but mainly about Aetius. Yeah. So let's go back a little bit and figure out why he's now leading a Hunnic army into Italy. Yeah, because that suddenly comes from nowhere, doesn't it?
0: Because I know you mentioned how Attila, sort of after wiping out the east... Uh, we've gone a fair bit back in time, but okay. this is still at the start of Theodosius' reign. Remember? Okay, so Attila's yeah. still like a, a teenager in the yeah. middle of an army. Yeah, exactly. All right. So, well, what's going on? So,
1: Aetius was born in around 390 in Moesia. His father was a Roman general, so the family had some good connections. Okay. And because of this, he was sent to the imperial court and had a very good education. Then, as a teenager, his comfortable life was turned upside down. (gasps) Big man came up behind him and him (laughs) mopped by his ankles. It's a huge (laughs) shark. Oh my goodness. It was more of a a metaphorical turning upside down. Uh, Okay. Yes. Good. Right, if you remember, Stilicho...
0: Stilicho!
1: was trying to form an alliance with Alaric. Yes, he was. Oh, yes. yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And terms were agreed. This was just as Stilicho said, I'll give you some land in the Danube, I'll get it off the east for yeah. you. Yeah, and twelve red roses. Yeah. Um, so terms were agreed, and as per usual, measures were put in place to ensure that the agreement stuck. Yeah. So hostages were exchanged.
0: Fair enough. Yes, common practice back then. back through lots of history. So you'd have some. So Silico would have some sort of like Gothic hostages, then hand them back over. Yeah, high up, like a good Gothic will. noble children, and you'd keep them for five years and then return them. Oh, the opposite of what I said then.
1: Oh, uh, both both ways. They'd exchange. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. That's weird. Well, and if you break the deal, we'll kill these.
1: Yeah, I oh, mean, oh, it yeah. has has the benefit that it keeps everyone focused on the terms of the deal but also those children get to go and experience other imperial courts and make connections it's actually was seen as quite a good thing if you get to go into the roman imperial court Mm. then when you grow up you'll have all those connections with the romans so it's actually quite a a good system as long as no one broke the (laughs) deal yeah (laughs) yeah then it just turned a bit messy So you can probably guess what was about to happen to Aetius here, because he was selected as one of the people to go and be a hostage for Alaric. (laughs) Here, he would have been treated as an honoured guest, and apparently really impressed Alaric. Enough that when the agreed time was up, Alaric requested to keep hold of this young man. So he's obviously doing something right here. However, nice. by this time, Rome was starting to have more dealings with the Huns. Atus was therefore moved straight away from hostage with the Goths to, to being a hostage with the Huns. Nice. And these were his late teen and early 20s years, where he would have really learned how to be a man and fight and ride. Bruh. Apparently, he became an amazing rider and archer. Mm. Due to his time with the Huns, he learnt how to fight like a Hunnic warrior. And they were quite good at fighting, weren't they? Oh yes, they were. (laughs) So eventually, after several years, he returns home and starts his career, probably being able to use his strong knowledge and connections to both the Goths and the Huns to his advantage. Then Honorius dies, and John claims the purple, as we've seen. Like many others, Aetius supports John's claim. And then when John's envoys didn't return from the east and everyone realised war was on, John turned to his supporter, who had such good connections with those fierce fighters that they kept using as mercenaries, and said, do, do you want to just nip north to uh, your pals in Hunland? See if they want to come come down here and uh, fight on my side for a fee, obviously. <laughs> and uh, yeah. If you could do that really quickly, please, Aetius, because I think they're on their way. Oh, dear, they're here, was essentially what John said. (laughs) But by that time, Aetius was gone. All right. Push them up the door. Go! (laughs) Quickly, bring them back. His job, as I say, meet up with his Hunnic friends, hire them, and return in time to fight back Theodosius' forces. Nice. He managed that first part perfectly. Good. He managed to get to the Huns. And he did raise a massive force of tens of thousands. However, when he returned to Italy, he found Galla Placidia on the throne. Oh dear. So that catches us up. What she you is about to happen?
0: Well, to stop everything being destroyed, you just say, well, okay, we'll, we'll be friends with Valentinian then. Pay us so we don't kill you.
1: Yeah, yeah, you pretty much got it there. Oh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Only asked
1: for a bit more than that. Aetius thinks quickly here. John's dead. It's obvious that Valentinian's now the emperor and would stay that way. There's no way you can change that anymore. So he proposes a deal. The West would pay the Huns to go away. Give them the money that they would have got for fighting for free and they would just go home. The Huns were more than happy to do that. Yeah. <laughs> as long as we still get paid, they we'll do whatever you want. <laughs> it's like any temp work. Yeah. <laughs> Placidia then would place Aetius in charge of all the armies in Gaul. And in return for this deal, what would Placidia get? Well, she would have all the Huns going away and a competent general in Gaul. Sounds
0: like a win-win And we
1: won't kill you.
0: <laughs> yeah, you
1: keep your life. Yeah. Biggest gift of all. Yeah, so Placidia has little choice, and perhaps also seeing the merit of having this able man in charge agrees. And things settle down slightly. <laughs> <laughs> slightly. Gallup Placidia, not being stupid, decided her generals could not gain too much power and then set about attempting to create a stable political environment. Good idea. She did this by dividing the power of her most powerful generals. It was not long before the new political landscape took shape. Valentinian is emperor, but things were actually ruled by Gallup Placidia. In Gaul, Aetius was in charge of the armies. In Africa, Bonyface is still down there, and he's in charge. And then finally, we have another general... Named Felix, and he was in charge of all the troops in Italy. got going to be a cat. <laughs> yeah. So we've got Bonyface in Africa, Aetius in Gaul, Felix in Italy. Yeah. And between them, they control the armies. When you get three powerful men in one empire, what happens? Oh,
0: they start to think, oh, what if? <laughs> what if? What if I, I... I fancy a new robe. What, what colour should I get it? How about red, sir? No, no, not red. Close, though. Blue. Cool. We could. What if we blended red and blue together? A nice, nice purple robe. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? But sir, that'd be you, emperor. What would it? Oh, I hadn't (laughs) thought of that. I think that's what happened. Okay. Yeah. Imagine Felix doing
1: that. (laughs) Yeah. I think Felix is just someone who has conversations like that with his servants. I think so. They all just get really fed up with them (sighs) every night. Oh, I wonder what I should have for dinner. <laughs> oh, maybe sausages or maybe being the emperor oh, god's sake he's at it again <laughs> no
0: one liked felix no, no. <laughs> he reminds me of um hans gruber from die hard
1: <laughs> okay yeah that's intelligent felix is hans gruber that's now official and you're
0: absolutely right the three of them are about to have a civil war yes but this is a bad time for a civil war Well, there are so many outside things attacking everything at the moment.
1: Yeah, everything is so bad, you really don't want to have a civil war. Let's not forget, that massive group of Vandals and Alans are still hanging around Spain. And they're starting to look a bit bored of Spain. They're looking for somewhere new to go. Mm. But we'll come back to that in a moment. So, civil war. First move was made in 427. By Felix. Of course it was. Yeah. (laughs) Against Bonyface. Ooh. Yes. Possibly. Now, anyone who looks into this will see a lot of discrepancies. Uh, The sources get very mixed here. Our main source is Procopius, who is writing about this war as a kind of little introductionary background to another history he's doing. So he doesn't spend much time on it. Therefore, in order to save some time and space, he appears to have condensed and conflated some events. He doesn't even mention Felix in his account. Oh. He doesn't exist. And therefore, nor does Gibbon in The Decline and Fall, because he heavily relies on Procopius at this point. But we know that Felix definitely existed, and we know he did the first move of the Civil War. So it all gets a bit confusing. Procopius appears to have given Aetius Felix's role. So we've got a few options here. Right, okay. Felix and Aetius worked together at the start. Mm -hmm. Or, all the following was Felix, despite what Procopius and Gibbon say. I spent ages trying to get my head around this, and I am just going to say that Procopius and Gibbon have got this wrong, and this wasn't Aetius; it was Felix. But you might see in history books that Atheist did this part. I've just gone for one way that it could have happened. Okay. In true Totalis Ragium style. Yeah, which is now the way. This is definitely how it happened. So, just remember, there's a bit of debate on this. But here All you right. go. Felix, in an attempt to consolidate more power, was able to convince enough people in Ravenna that Boneyface was planning to split with the Empire and form his own African Empire. Ooh. Now, we don't know how much of this Gallop Lucidia believed. Probably not much, but Felix convinced her that the best way to ascertain Bonyface's guilt was to order him to Ravenna. And if he refused, then he was obviously up to something. <sighs> but this is the sneaky part. He then sent a letter to Bonyface. But it didn't ask him to go to Ravenna, did it? No, it said, Boneyface, my good friend, with your bony face. <laughs> I have bad tidings. People here in Ravenna are plotting against you. I know this for sure. <laughs> They're going to try and get you into a trap. They're going to tell you to come to Ravenna, and if you do, they will arrest you on sight and execute you. Whatever you do, stay in Africa under all circumstances. And sure enough, Gallop Placidia asks for Bonyface to come back, and Bonyface refuses.
0: Oh!
1: Yeah. Felix is able to turn to Gallop Placidia and go, See, told you, traitor.
0: That's sneaky. It is sneaky. That's the kind of thing you'd expect in a soap opera, isn't it? Yes. That's an East Ender story right there.
1: So... Felix had all the excuse he needed, and he sent his generals into Africa to capture Boneyface and bring him to the capital. Just in the same way Stilico sent Mezgazal to get capture Gildo. <laughs> Gildo. Yeah. However, this was not as, as successful, because Felix sends three generals to Africa, but the third turned on the other two when they were hunting down Boneyface. Why? Was he working for Boney? We don't really know, because details are scarce, but we just know that one of the generals turns on the others while they are sieging Carthage. Yeah. So uh, it's quite hard to siege when your co-siegers are attacking you, so the whole thing falls apart.
0: It is a little bit, isn't it? Yeah. Which isn't great. No.
1: So Felix, angered that he'd lost such a large part of his force, was at least able to point out that Boniface's refusal was proof of his guilt. So it has got something out of this. Yeah, yeah. But unfortunately for him, by this time, his scheming had caught up with him. Again, things are sketchy here, but it would appear that Boneyface by this point had managed to contact gallop Placidia and explain everything from his point of view. So he told Gallo about the letter he'd received. Said, the only reason why I'm not coming back is because Felix told me it was a trap.
0: Yeah.
1: gallop Placidia puts two and two together immediately and I realises didn't. that Felix is a whole
0: scheming man. Aww, yeah, Just like he is in that film.
1: Yes, just like that.
0: And on Christmas, during an office party, falls off the roof of a tall building. No, that's not quite how he dies. Well, maybe
1: it is. We'll see. Because we're not far off his death. I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> so adding to Felix's woes is the fact that Aetius had not been idle during this time. He had noticed that one of his rivals was weak and headed south into Italy. Aetius talks to Calpurnia, and together... They work out a plan. How are we going to deal with this Felix fellow, then? Aetius was given second-in-command of the Italian forces. So he's now in charge of the Gallic forces, and now second-in-command of the Italian forces. It's clearly a political manoeuvring against Felix. (laughs) Sure enough, it was political intrigue that finally brings Felix down. Shortly afterwards, Aetius accuses Felix and his wife of plotting against him. The charges stick, and both are executed. By, being thrown, off a tall by being thrown off the tall building, yeah, okay. yeah. So there we go. That is Felix dead. So it's now just Aetius and Bonyface. Nice. In a two way battle to see who was going to hold the power behind the throne. But before we carry on, let's catch up with those Vandals in Spain. Oh yeah, okay. That's still kicking around, not sure what to do. And a couple of years previously, at around the same time that Felix was accusing Bonyface of treason, the king of the Vandals died. Ah. Oh. And a new king took over, and this man is named Gesseric. Gesseric? Far less famous than Attila, but arguably more devastating to the Romans. Really? Yes. Gesseric, much like Attila, had a different vision for his people than the previous king, and announced that the Vandals and the Alans of Spain would be moving to Africa. Ooh. Yes. Africa was richer, it was more prosperous, it was larger. It made sense to move, he claimed, to all his people. Better weather? Yeah. But it's still quite nice in Spain. Yeah, that's true. Not sure what I'd think, though, if the king just said, right, we're all moving. I suppose they're used to it, though. They've
0: I been should... moving around for a lot. Imagine so. the Queen did that now to everyone in Britain. Right, guys, we're moving. Moving to Africa. <laughs> oh, okay.
1: Okay, we can go, go back Ooh. to the, the Rhine where the Saxons, where we originally came from. Uh, yes, go a uh, vineyard yeah near the Rhine That'd be great. Let's go in and invade the Rhine. <laughs> <laughs>
0: all of Britain. Yes. All 72
1: million people. Go <laughs> on! Uh, yeah, was, okay, possibly fewer numbers than that, but it was still a big undertaking yeah, yeah. by the Vandals at this time. They were all going to go to Africa. It took a bit of convincing, but eventually he did convince his people. This was a daring move, Yeah. and no one saw it coming whatsoever. The Vandals crossed near Gibraltar. Probably not all in one go, because <laughs> they would have needed literally 1,000 or 2,000 ships to get everyone across in one go. Well, it's such a narrow
0: gap, they could probably do uh, exactly. like a little big rope bridge or something
1: it's theorized that they spent weeks ferrying them over but i do like your idea of a rope bridge you know that's where you put two ropes yeah one and on you, the, bottom, oh, one the top yeah yes they did that across oh fantastic the straits of gibraltar and uh it's still quite long so it would be really twisty in the middle oh and really wobbly really wobbly Whoa. and this is all of the vandals so you the same like, time yeah it's not one at a time it was just go go go
0: yeah. got lots of little old ladies in the middle just spinning <laughs> yeah <laughs> a few children doing little cartwheels and stuff and playing
1: it's like because Eric didn't mention this <laughs>
0: <laughs> then you get that one git the middle start waving it back and forward
1: <laughs> <sighs> yeah maybe a second bridge which is just a rotating log that you've got to run across <gasps>
0: really quickly <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> 300 mile turning log <laughs> yeah. like it and a spongy bit in the middle and, you know, like, big pads. Like Takeshi's Castle. Yeah. Seen that.
1: <laughs> it's essentially
0: that. All the way to <laughs> Africa.
1: Yeah. And once they were finally across, they all high-fived each other. It was quite an achievement. And the... Moving nation headed east along the coast of North Africa. Now, Bonyface, who had just congratulated himself for getting out of that sticky situation, cool. everything's fine now. Suddenly, finds himself facing a far superior enemy, mm. both in numbers and ability. In an attempt to slow down the Vandals, Bonyface sends out some envoys, but this did nothing to stop the oncoming tide. <laughs> Eventually, Bonyface realizes he's got to raise the troops and try and fight the Vandals back. Yeah does so and loses uh, and retreats to hippo um what hippo hippo was just one big hippopotamus who had already oh. sworn allegiance to the romans nice. and he would
0: protect them at their hour of need oh he's like a yeah. water god yeah the most dangerous animal in africa as well hippo. yes they are killed thousands a year i know i love that fact yeah yeah just by yawning
1: yes <laughs> yeah but no of course hippo is not uh, actual hippo. It's the name of a city.
0: Oh, is it? Oh, yes. I misunderstood. Thank oh, you for
1: yeah. clarifying. <laughs> this is where Boneyface decides to face them. The siege begins. But the Vandals are not the Huns. And like all the other barbarian groups for the last few hundred years, they were not great at
0: siege warfare. <laughs> wonder why So it's just sent like five guys right you guys you surround the town at night they'll go to bed for example do you think they're laying their plans in the tent with the blackboard options how to get into the city number
1: one knock on door and ask politely (laughs) option two send send a firm but polite letter option three send eviction notice (laughs) have we got anything else lads Nope. Ladders. We don't have any
0: ladders. Oh, no, really. That's of our Allen keys with the Allens. <laughs> yeah. Damn it.
1: No, oh, they've got some Allens with them. Oh, this that's is fine a, then. This is a vandal Allen. They called. left the ladders behind.
0: Those are Allen keys. I know. No, no <laughs> Allen ladders. Damn. Yeah. That's so annoying. So,
1: yeah. It's not working, whatever's happening. Yeah. The siege lasts 14 months. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they must be given food and water <laughs> last that long. Well this um, shows that Boney Face was doing a decent job. If he had in yeah. Africa where you're really not expecting to be attacked, no. I mean out of anywhere in the empire you'd expect Africa to be safe. But he'd still stored over a year's worth of food in the city, just in case.
0: That's good. Yeah,
1: that's not bad. However, just because the vandals were sieging Hippo didn't mean that large groups of them couldn't wander off and sack other places that were less well defended. Ah, And Africa was soon overrun. Things were looking desperate. As I've mentioned before, Africa is important. I can't overstate how important. Food and... Food and wealth. Yeah. Most of the money comes out of Africa. It's the economic hub and the granary for the Western Empire. You can't lose Africa. If you do, your empire falls apart. It's the breadbasket, isn't it? Yes. Especially considering Britain and Spain the empires of Gaul were just no longer paying any taxes. You needed this area. So, Valentinian still very young, so Gallop, Lysidia, realises that something needs to be done. Bony Face is out of action, so it falls to Aetius to sort things out. But Aetius could not simply just head south into Africa. Mm. Because... They tell the road bridge down. Yes. Not just that, because at the same time, troubling news was coming from Gaul. The top left part of France, so Brittany, had revolted. As far as we can tell, this was not a barbarian invasion, but actual genuine Roman locals... Just giving up on the empire. It's the Mm -hmm. first time we really see this. It's another crack starting to appear here. So that's not good. Not only that, the Goths, still in the bottom left part of France, had decided they wanted more of Gaul and started to spread out a bit. After all, Constantius III was dead and they'd made their deal with him. So it was time to go and get a bit more land, stretch their legs out a bit. Mm. Also, on the Rhine, some problems there with some barbarians. The Burgundians... A group that Rome had reluctantly settled in Gaul during Honorius's reign was starting to cause some trouble.
0: That's not good. Graffiti, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Littering. Yes, lots of littering. Hang off street corners and just shouting loudly. Yeah, loitering and littering. Oh dear.
1: It it wasn't good. And also Aetius realised that he was just not militarily powerful enough to take on either the African or the Gallic problems. Let alone both of them. He just didn't have the strength. So what to do? (gasps) Huns! Huns! Of course. Well, actually, he did more than that. He sent off two letters. One he sent to the east. Theodosius was doing well over there. Not much was happening. Surely he could spare some men. And sure enough, things were friendly enough between the two halves of the empire that Theodosius sends Aspar. You remember that's the son of the father and son duo from earlier. So he's sent over to help out Bonyface in Africa, freeing up Aetius to start thinking about the Northern problem. Good. So Aetius then sends a letter to his old friend, the Huns. Would they like some more mercenary work? Aetius <laughs> got a reply, of course the Huns were more than happy to help out their old friend for a fee. <laughs> However, while busy trying to organise all this, the political intrigue of the Civil War popped up again. Oh dear. I think the only case I can think of while well, when Rome are trying to fight a civil war and an external war at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Aspar had arrived in Africa and fought the Vandals with Bonyface. The fighting was hard and both sides took losses. At some point during this war, so it's still going on, Bonyface returns to Italy. Okay. He says, oh, I'm go- nipping back to Ravenna, Asper. Is that okay? Aspar looks up from fighting. Of course! But probably in the middle of a battle. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you are coming back, aren't you? Oh, get some eggs! Yeah. I mean, this, this is the Western Empire. We are Eastern troops. But you, are, you are coming back, yeah? <laughs> yeah? Yeah, I'll be back soon. You sure? So, promise. <laughs> Bonyface goes back to Ravenna. And once there, starts talking to Gallup Placidia. Now, obviously, there's some political intrigue was going on between the two of those two. Because Gallo at this point, decides to promote Bonyface to be in control of all the forces of Italy. I thought Aetius will. Yeah, that's what Aetius thought as well. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on. Yeah, I, I'm literally organising the defences of Italy and Gaul right now. What do you mean, bony faces in charge? Aetius correctly realises that this is an attempt to strip him of power. Why? because Bonyface wants to defeat Aetius and Gall doesn't trust him, I'm guessing. Oh, uh, yeah. Remember, he did weasel his way in through that's a sharp true. force. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, Aetius collects all of his troops that he does have, and he marches south. Bonyface collects his army and marches north. And I personally can't help but wonder what poor Asper's thinking in Africa at this point.
0: <laughs>
1: but here he is, an eastern general fighting a war for the west while the two generals of the West are having a civil war. It's like, sis, I, I will just go home soon. I can't be bothered with this anymore. Still, the battle takes place near Rimini in northern Italy. Oh, I've been
0: there. That's very nice. Yeah.
1: We have very few details, but we do know that it was a relatively small and closely fought battle. Eventually, Bonyface wins. Ooh. But was mortally wounded in the process. Oh, no. According to one of the few sources we have, Aetius personally delivers the blow. And I quote, Aetius engaged Bonyface and wounded him with a longer lance than that of Boneyface. He, he had a better advantage <laughs> on the battlefield with his longer lance. Mm. Yeah. But th- there's nothing else to support the idea that the two leaders actually faced each other in battle. That seems very
0: romanticised, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, this never happens. No, it's like in um, the Battle of Bosworth, it's romanticised that, you know... Yeah, exactly. Henry Tudor and the III fought each other and never even see each other. Probably never met in their lives.
1: Yeah, so it probably didn't happen. However, there's apparently very small forces... This wasn't a big, large battle. This was more of a skirmish. (laughs) Five on five. Yeah, I mean, remember, (laughs) Rome didn't have any forces. That's
0: why they're asking the East and the Huns to help. But think about how mental it must be on the battlefield. There's no way they would have met. Mm. It's rubbish.
1: Also, to to back up the story, because I just like the story, uh, apparently both men were well known for being very brave and tough in battle and both leading the charge. So uh, it's possible. More likely now than any other time I've seen. So let's say it definitely happened. Okay. Aetius skewered Bonyface. With his massive spear. With his massive spear. Um, However, despite this, Bonyface's troops win the battle. And Aetius flees. Several days pass. Bonyface is laid up with his son-in-law, Sebastian. Sebastian. Yes. Great name. It's a Greek for Augustus.
0: Is it? Yeah. Yeah, okay.
1: So there you go. Okay. yeah. From the word sublime. I've made that. Up. I have no okay. idea. <laughs> it's good though. Yeah. So Sebastian's
0: next to Bonyface. face, and Bonyface face can't turn over his big spear still in him. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I'm so uncomfortable. Yeah, I wish I could turn over, but then Sebastian's there will just reach out, grab the spear, and just turn him <laughs> like a big switch. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Face in the other way. There. He screams while he's being turned. Yeah. And then dies because he's just wrenched the spear out. <laughs> Sebastian realised maybe he shouldn't have done that, but never mind. <laughs> Bony face is dead. Oh. Sebastian, in a rage, sends assassins to finish the civil war once and for all. But Aetius was already gone. Disappeared. Civil war was over, but who had won? That's, and what did they win? <laughs> what did they win? No one really knew. Right. Everyone just knew that Rome had lost. <laughs> So, back to Africa. By 435, Asper, probably quite annoyed by this point. It's like, you Western idiots. But he managed to get control of enough of Africa to come to peace with the Vandals. The Vandals were given some land in Africa and a couple of cities, but the rich, important parts of Africa near to Italy were saved. That's good. Yes. It's good news for Valentinian and Gala, and they start to worry about all those problems up north. Now, some suggestion that Gala hoped that Sebastian would come and take over from his father in law at this point, but this is when Aetius suddenly returns. Dun dun dun. And guess who he has with him?
0: Huns! All those Huns again. <laughs> Hi! <laughs> Me again. Can I have my job back? <laughs> <laughs> It'd be in your best interest <laughs> if I had my job back. Yes, Gala Placidiosus give a very convincing interview, I must
1: admit. (laughs) What what would you say your strengths are? The 10,000 Huns behind me. (laughs) Well, I know it's a tricky question, but what would you say your weaknesses are? I do tend to go for the Huns very quickly. (laughs) I'm a bit too much of a hard worker, I think. Yes. So, Aetius is now back in charge of all of the armies of the West. So He has definitely won the civil war. And he also has his Hunnic mercenaries to help him with all those problems in Gaul. There's a slight hiccup at this point when Aetius realises that they have no money left. Uh, so they can't pay the Huns. So he's forced to give some land to them up in Pannonia, which uh, was uh, politically damaging, to say the yeah, least. Okay. People d- were not happy, but they did what they had to do. And the Huns were good. They needed the Hunnic help. So with their help, Aetius was able to start putting out all these fires. First, he heads towards the Burgundians. Remember, they're the ones loitering and littering. Just like the Goths, they are there legally, so they've not invaded what no. they did originally, but they've been settled by Honorius. But Aetius wasn't, wasn't too pleased with them. And
0: he gave the Huns one simple order. Do you think that was? Oh, I imagine it's um, something Darcy would say in Star Wars. <laughs> Wipe them out. <laughs> All of them. Yes.
1: Nice. That, that is pretty much it. Arcanus
0: oh, be wearing like a big
1: hooded cloak at that point. Yes, okay. <laughs> Just stood on a hill watching as it all happens. Wipe them out. All yeah. of them. The Huns did what they do best. Apparently around twenty thousand men, women and children were slaughtered over a period of intense fighting. Almost all of these, obviously, on the Burgundian side. <laughs> Oh dear. then told the few survivors that were left that they could stay in Roman territory, but I'm gonna move you over to a uh, Lake Geneva. And, oh that's uh,
0: nice. Yeah that's nice.
1: Yeah. Let's move over here, stay there, behave yourselves. And the few survivors went,
0: Okay <laughs> <laughs> We're so sorry, sir. It was the blood, the blood
1: Aetius and the Huns then head to the top-left part of France, where the revolts were happening. Aetius gives one simple order. (laughs) The revolts did not go on for much longer. (laughs) Again, many were slaughtered. Aetius told them to behave and moved on. (laughs) Okay. At last, Gaul was stable enough to take on the main problem, the Goths. Now, the Goths, by this point, had spread out significantly. They were supposed to stay in the bottom left part. They were taking over huge swathes of Gaul oh. by this point. It was starting to look less like people coming in and settling in on the land and more like an invading force, like they were originally. Yeah. The, the diplomatic relations had fallen apart completely. So Atheist counterattacks and in 436 spends three years fighting. The war was hard won, but won nonetheless, and an agreement was made that the Goths would go back to the land that Constantius III had given them originally. During this war, Aetius was able to use his influence to sort Spain out also. The Subi were still there, but after a show of force and some political manoeuvring, they were given just the top left part of Spain, which was by far the poorest part. So it's like, you guys stay up there. And we won't kill you. So, in about a decade, all this took, Aetius had managed to push several barbarian groups out of Gaul, put down several rebellions, and regain some of the empire. That's very impressive. Yeah. If he's an empire, he'd have
0: the genesis R by now.
1: He would. It's shades of Constantius III there, mm. isn't it?
0: And he's in Valentinian III's name, so... Yeah.
1: Pretty good. Not bad. wasn't Valentinian three? And it was during all this success by Aetius that Valentinian himself actually did something. Because at this point, he hits 18 years old. Ooh, as yeah. a party. Yeah, so he goes to Constantinople, and he marries Theodosius' daughter, as oh, originally planned. Oh, yeah. Yes. And this is when he becomes the emperor in his own
0: right. Gallop Placidius steps aside. She's no that's longer quite rejected. good, because she didn't need to. Because like, in my head, I had thought, like, a Nero mum thing going on here, but... Yeah, she seems less crazy, mm. uh,
1: more just someone who's trying to sort things out. During the wedding and the festivities, I can't help but feel some people might have occasionally, like gossip wise, just mentioned this new Hunnic king that seemed to be doing some stuff over the Danube. What was his name? Aaron? <laughs> Something, <laughs> Aaron like that. Yeah. Something like that. Anyway, but I doubt anyone paid much attention. No. No. So heads back home, and shortly after, his new wife gave birth to a daughter. Things are looking good
0: once more. I was going to say, the Empire on the West is a lot more stable than it was. Yes. It's taken a while, but it's getting there. Mm. But then,
1: what are these thunderclouds? It's Gesseric. And the Vandals, without warning, suddenly break their pact and invade Africa once more and it is not pleasant. We have a passage from a sermon from a priest who was there in Carthage when Carthage was taken. (laughs) Help, help,
0: help. My God, we're all dying. Help. Oh, you've seen it. You've heard it before. (laughs) I'm choking on my own blood. (laughs) Yeah, well, it's actually worse. (laughs) Oh. Oh.
1: Mothers of families dragged off into captivity. Pregnant women slaughtered. Babies taken from their nurses and thrown into the streets to die. Every day there comes into our ears the cries of those who have lost in this assault a father or a husband. There is no one to bury the bodies of the dead. But horrible death has soiled all the streets, all the buildings, the whole city indeed. (laughs) It didn't go down as one of his most cheerful sermons, that, yeah? I I, I don't know. (laughs) As everyone was walking out, and he had his little hat.
0: Jink, <laughs> <laughs> chink. So it was a bit down today, Father. <laughs> Next seat, can you carry on your sermon about you know the the flowers and? Uh, I mean, we, we've just been sacked. I was looking for something to raise the spirit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, not nice.
1: <laughs> I didn't appreciate the flashbacks Father. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, pretty grim then. What Gesseric and the Vandals failed to do five years previously, they succeeded here. The whole of Africa was taken. And with it, all the wealth and all the grain it provided. This was not losing Britain, who no one really cared about, because it was just a damp, foggy island. It wasn't even losing Spain, which was annoying, but not the end of the world. This really could bring down the whole empire. Because people are going to starve. Yeah. And no money. F- yeah. For no f- armies. Yeah, exactly. So won't be able to get it back. This is bad. Atius realises he needs to do something here. So, what's he do? Um, heads to Africa. Sorry, get the Huns to head to Africa. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, he thinks, who shall I write to? Well, who went and sorted out Africa last time? The East. So he sends a letter to Theodosius. Theodosius surely would realise just how serious this is. Theodosius would help. And sure enough, Theodosius sends a letter back saying, don't worry, some troops are on their way. yeah. Which is nice. In the meantime, Valentinian set a number of laws, giving special license to traders in the East to procure grain for Rome. He made a second law that made it really clear what the duty of each Roman citizen was, just just in case we're invaded. (laughs) It's one of those hypothetical laws. (laughs) (laughs) But just in case, let's get this sorted now, (laughs) okay? (laughs) Do we all know what we're doing? (laughs) You'll fight to the death. And then a third law was soon issued which allowed citizens to arm themselves. (laughs) <laughs> just grab
0: what you can, guys. <laughs> and I'm going to say, you don't have to you don't have to follow this law, but it'd be in your best interest if you did. There's a very real feeling that Italy and Rome itself is under threat at this
1: point. Hmm. Everyone's a bit on edge. And there's good reason to fear, because not just content with Africa, the had crossed over to Sicily to plunder the island. So if you remember last week, when I briefly mentioned the Vandals had taken Africa and even got as far as Sicily... Hmm. Yes. Oh, with well, him. And know. Theodosius said, Fine, fine, I'll send some troops over. Hopefully, I don't get invaded. Oh, yeah, that's when.
0: Oh, Mr. Attila, is it? Attila?
1: Alan Arnold? <laughs> so, yeah, anyway, th- things are looking dicey, but at last Aetius is ready. And so the troops were sent forth to meet up with the troops from the east. They assembled in Sicily, the Vandals having returned to Africa after picking the island dry. The Romans had a large force ready to go. Tens of thousands of men, hundreds upon hundreds of ships. This was going to be a mass invasion. So, a lot. Oh yes. The ships were ready, the troops were ready, it was time to take Africa back. And properly this time, they were going to crush the Vandals. Into the dust.
0: Yeah! There's one of those really energetic over the top soldiers, like, yo, kill him! Let me at him! And he drowns on his way there. No. No? No, no one's on their way there.
1: Oh. Because whilst oh. that soldier's <laughs> getting very energetic, he's tapped on the shoulder, and uh, Roger squeezes past him. Just, <laughs> excuse me, excuse me, coming through. Hands a letter over to the generals that were there from the east. It's a letter from Theodosius. Okay. Yes. Theodosius saying, There is an invincible mad Hunnic king here called Attila. He's invading and he can breach the walls. He can breach the walls. <laughs> we need all the men back. Come back. This is worse than the Vandals. Help. The eastern generals deciding between their western allies and their very own homes and families being mm. destroyed, understandably, head back as quick as possible. Yeah. Leaving Aetius with his few troops from the West in a field now looking very empty. Oh. It's just Aetius, Jeff, and six other men who are actually in catering.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Once they're wearing a chef's hat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what did we do, sir? So, oh. And <laughs> just behind them a tent just slowly collapses.
1: Yeah. Aww. Aetius is in a bind here. He now knows that they cannot win militarily, so he was forced to sue for peace. The Vandals were granted more of Africa. They got to keep everything that was taken. They were given some more cities. Rome still has a little bit of land in Africa, and the Vandals even agreed to carry on giving them the grain. That's nice. Yeah, they said while smirking and sniggering. Uh. Yeah, you, you can have grain if you want. <laughs> Honest. <laughs> Bad grain.
0: No, 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 we're not going to send any grain.
1: Oh, okay. What's bad grain? <laughs> you are not in charge of the food anymore. <laughs> so, Aetius, being a realist, figured that the only available option here is to treat the Vandals like they treated the Goths and try and pull them into the Empire. So he convinces Valentinian to offer his daughter's hand to to Giseric's son. Ooh. So Aetius is trying to do a, a marriage to join these two peoples together. Unfortunately, the manoeuvre doesn't work because ah. the son was already engaged to the daughter of the Gothic king. Damn it. Which really says something about the standing of the Western Empire at this point. Good point, yeah. No nah, thanks. Got a Gothic king lined up. Emperor of the Roman Empire. Nah. 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 Maybe, maybe 100 years ago, I would have yeah. considered it. but uh, It's just... Look, all the paint's coming off him. <laughs> Slowly, the Vandals start taking more territory from Africa again. They're not interested in keeping this peace treaty. They also take Sardinia, they take Corsica, they start raiding Sicily. That's a shame. Sardinia's
0: really nice. Yeah.
1: There's nothing Aetius can do. His usual fallback plan of hiring the Huns would be brilliant at this point, wouldn't it? Uh, yeah. But it's not really an option anymore for two reasons. One, they were broke. They could not afford the Hunnic mercenaries. And two, the Huns seemed a bit distracted to Aetius these days. <sighs> Aetius didn't know this new king, and this new king didn't seem to be too interested in doing mercenary work. He just seemed interested in ripping apart the east with his bare
0: <laughs> hands and <laughs> chewing on all the bricks.
1: Yeah. <laughs> News then comes through from Spain. The Suvi were expanding, most of Spain was overrun. Spain's gone. Uh. (laughs) Valentinian is forced to put up taxes everywhere. In fact, he removed all exemptions of tax. Everyone was squeezed. And all the money went (laughs) into the army. And it simply wasn't enough. Oh dear. The loss of Spain, and far more importantly, the loss of Africa, meant that the empire is now economically ruined. Oh dear. Aetius and Valentinian did their best staggering on through for the remainder of this decade. But no gains are made. The empire just needs one tiny little push... And it will fall.
0: Oh, that's really sad.
1: It's just at this point in a forest across the Danube somewhere that Attila, of all people, decides that picking on the east was boring and wouldn't it be fun <laughs> to go and pick on the west for a bit? Oh dear. So the east. It's too easy to be. Let's
0: go for a challenge.
1: Yeah. <laughs> But why? Why did Attila decide to switch from rinsing the East Dry to go to the West? Go
0: on, what's your theory? Uh, well, because you, you, you've got the, the Suvi and you've got the Barbarians and stuff. Like that. so yeah. something, something to do with them. Oh, yeah, the I he could,
1: could try and get stuff on them. There are several reasons, but this is by far the best story. So this is the one I'm going for. As per usual, some of this could be made up, but it definitely happened.
0: Yeah. Right, if you remember,
1: Valentinian has a sister.
0: Yes, he does. Honoria.
1: Honoria was apparently everything her brother wasn't. She was strong-willed, she was ambitious, she was willing to use anything she had at her disposal to further her political power, which led to accusations of her getting to know quite a number of people. Okay. One day, she had had enough. Her brother was weak compared to her, so why wasn't she allowed on the throne? After all, her mother had ruled as regent, and her cousin, Pulcheria, ruled as regent in the East over her brother. She's not going to try and be an empress, is she? So Honoria starts to have an affair with a man she thought she would be able to convince to make a play for the throne. But secrets are hard to keep in the royal court and this was soon discovered. The man was quickly put to death and Valentinian was furious with his sister. Gallop Lysidia steps in, as moms do.
0: <laughs> now, now.
1: You're not going to execute her. But I want to! <laughs> so she steps in and suggests that they wed Honoria off to the most boring senator they can possibly find in the hopes of stabilising things. They're worried that she would convince anyone she marries, with her strong will, to start a coup. So
0: they look around. a boring senator. Well, we've got got Flash McCready over there. (laughs) No, not him. He's too cool. There's there's Graham Gray. Which one's that? He's the one waiting for trains to be invented so he can spot them.
1: (laughs) Oh, really? What's that entail? Just waiting. That oh. this could
0: work. What's that he's wearing? It keeps off the rain. It doesn't rain much in Italy. No. And he seems to keep his, all his drinks in a little container. keeps them very warm. Why has he got something between bread? That's weird. <laughs>
1: <laughs> What's his name again? Herculanus. Which is a very exciting name for such a boring man. <laughs> <laughs> Herculanus. Honoria, upon hearing that she was now engaged to Herculanus was outraged she refused she kicked she screamed etc but she knew ultimately she was trapped her brother was the emperor who was more powerful than the emperor she was going to have to obey unless and an idea slowly starts to form in her head here unless she could marry someone else who was more powerful
0: than even valentinian to be fair that could be one of like 10 people (laughs) true (laughs) Who is more powerful? Well, you've got some Roman examples. Yeah. Atheist, for example. Yeah. You've also got um, Miss Invincible. Yeah. But she wouldn't be that stupid.
1: <laughs> she writes a letter to the most powerful man in the world. And in the letter, she pleaded for help. Here she was, a princess in distress, who needed to be rescued from a hateful wedding. And in the letter, she placed either a brooch or a ring, it depends on what source, to prove that it was her. And she sent the letter with her most trusted eunuch. The eunuch sets off to the Danube to deliver the letter
0: to Attila the Hun. um, So she's basically, she's trying to marry or to get rescued by him, because if she wants to get rescued by him, that's a lot of death.
1: There is a subtle distinction between the two, <laughs> and uh, it's an important one, isn't it? Rescue or marriage, as we will see. Oh. <laughs> before we do, skip to the scene last week. Remember Vigilus, the assassin who got caught at the end of last episode? Mm. Remember, the diplomats went to meet Attila, yes. and they didn't realise they were actually hiding the assassin, who was the translator. But Attila knew. Attila knew all about it. Yes, that was it. So it was around this time. And if you remember, Attila was bizarrely easygoing with Theodosius afterwards, even returning Vigilus alive. He doesn't execute Vigilus. He then states to Theodosius that he won't encroach on Theodosius' land anymore, as long as the payments are made. Considering Theodosius tried to have him assassinated, Attila seems quite easygoing, and everyone was a bit confused. Mm, So why was he so generous?
0: Yeah.
1: It was because while he was dealing with Vigilus, he had in his pocket a letter from the sister of the Emperor of the West asking to be saved from a marriage. <laughs> and as far as Attila was concerned, he thought, whilst obviously pondering this ring that was also in the letter, maybe just holding it up, this is definitely a marriage proposal. <laughs> ah. And of course, with a marriage proposal, comes a dowry. <laughs> <laughs> and what dowry... It's the sister of an emperor, Attila thought to himself. He reckoned about half the empire would cover it. Oh. So Attila writes to Theodosius. Not Valentinian. Theodosius is the senior emperor. So he writes to Theodosius, putting forth his demands. Honoria wants to be my wife. I will have half of the empire, please. Theodosius is utterly stunned by this turn of events and writes to his cousin in the West, telling him what had just happened, and advising them that they just hand Honoria over to Attila. Just give him what he wants. He has spent the last decade slapping me about. <laughs> we cannot defeat this man. Give him what he wants. Valentinian receives the letter, and goes into a fit of rage. This is the first he hears about all this. The eunuch who, was, who delivered the letter was sent for and tortured in order to get the whole story. <laughs> To Valentinian's horror, everything was true.
0: Did he have to torture? Why not just what Ask. happened? <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, Valentinian then beheaded this eunuch and then ordered the death of his sister. Oh. Which was only stopped when Gala Placidius steps in to calm his, her son down. However, Honoria was placed under arrest. Shortly afterwards, some tough envoys arrive from across the Danube. What? We're here from Attila. <laughs> We're just uh, checking up on her us. She's doing all right. Yes, yeah, so Attila had heard that Valentinian was not being very nice to his fiance, And this, as the envoys started to describe, was uh, upsetting to Attila.
0: We don't like Attila when he's upset. <laughs> Attila don't like Attila when he's upset. No one likes Attila when he's upset. That's <laughs> when the tears start... <laughs> Not Attila's tears. <laughs> the tears like the ones falling
1: down your face right now. <laughs> yes, the envoys
0: leave. Attila is on his way. Oh dear. <laughs> Suddenly, um, I imagine Honorius is treated very well. <laughs> Newcastle, my dear. <laughs> Other news comes through at this point. Theodosius
1: is dead. He fell off a horse.
0: Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh. That was a bit of a shock. Kind of needed an ally over there. That's a bit of a blow. And then Gallop Placidia dies. Oh. Yeah. Whose guiding voice had ran the empire for so long. Valentinian is suddenly feeling very cornered and very alone. It's <laughs> a so good job Aetius is still around with his dubious loyalties and allegiance to the Huns. <laughs> but fortunately for Valentinian, Aetius was definitely loyal to Rome. And he looked at the forces that he had managed to scrape together over the last few years and he immensely weighed it against Attila's forces, who had just smashed the entire might of the Eastern Empire not once but twice. <laughs> Still, Aetius was not a quitter. If there was going to be a war, then a war it would be. Oh dear. But he then received a letter from Attila. Don't worry, I'm not attacking. Why would I attack? It's the home of my future bride. I'm just going into Gaul for a bit. To sort those Goths out for you, call it a wedding present. Okay.
0: Yeah, that's nice, isn't it? Yeah. Atius wasn't fooled for a moment. Yeah, because when he says "sort out," as in sort them out with weapons and. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah. Atius does some
1: digging and soon finds out that the Goths had also received a letter from Attila saying. Don't worry, Goths. I'm not coming to attack you. I'm just coming to kill the Romans. I've got no problem with you guys. Us barbarians need to stick together. What, what? (laughs) Or something like that. (laughs) So, Aetius starts frantically putting together a defence plan. He pulls in every political favour he's got, paid any group he could think of, to form a Gallic coalition. The people in Gaul, the Romans, the Goths, the Franks, some of the Alans, the surviving Burgundians... (laughs) There's, like, five or six left that are near Lake Geneva. You know how I, like, wiped you all out earlier? (laughs) Help. Those guys who wiped you out are coming again. I mean, this time they hate me. (laughs) So, uh, help. Yeah. So all of these people, he tries to form into an alliance. The Huns were coming, and they were going to destroy them all. They had to band together. And this message starts to seep in, but it's taking time. And suddenly Attila sweeps over the Rhine. He hits Metz, and he takes it out as easily as he had the cities in the east. So any hope that maybe he can't take these cities is gone. He can. Then Trier falls just as easily, and then Attila reaches Orleans or Old Orleans. He puts it under siege, but by this time, Aetius' political manoeuvring had managed to scrape together a force, mostly of Romans and Goths. And together they approached Orleans and they surveyed the might of the Hunnic army. Oh dear God! <laughs> <laughs> but Attila wasn't expecting this. He wasn't expecting Atius to be able to put together any kind of defence. So he was caught slightly off guard and decided, rather than attempt to battle and a siege at the same time, he would simply withdraw from the city and then swing round, crush the resistance, and then go back to sieging. <laughs> well, yeah, I was pull out and go around, kill them this covey. Give it a week. (laughs) After all, he had cut through countless Roman troops before. But, perhaps he should not have been quite so confident, because unlike those countless Eastern Roman troops, Aetius had had a large number of battles under his belt, and had become pretty good at winning these battles. Plus, his time living with the Huns meant that he had an advantage over most Romans when it came to understanding Attila's tactics. We don't have much detail, but the battle takes place. The two sides draw up. Attila was front and centre of his army. And we do have a quote. The fighting grew fierce, confused, monstrous, unrelenting. A fight like no ancient time has ever recorded. A brook flowing between two low banks was swollen by a strange stream and turned into a torrent by the flow of blood. Those whose wounds drove them to slake their parching thirst drank water mingled with gore. Oh I go for a drink of water and suddenly you suck up half an intestine. Yeah. Nice. That's pretty much the only description we have of the battle. We've got no actual what really happened, just this river of blood. (laughs) So nasty, but what we do know, and get ready for this. The Roman Gothic coalition win. It's not a huge victory, but it is a victory. It's enough to push the Huns back. This was the first time anyone had ever managed to defeat the mighty Attila. Nice. Attila apparently could not quite comprehend what happened. I don't understand. Why are we going backwards? (laughs) I don't don't understand. Why why had he been beaten? Due to the lack of sources, we don't know why Aetius was able to defeat Attila when no one else could. Uh, But presumably it was because he was a good general. (laughs) Guys, take your swords
0: out the scabbard. (laughs) Oh!
1: Oh, look, they're 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 sharp, aren't they?
0: (laughs) Dangerous, even. (laughs) (laughs) So Attila,
1: meanwhile, decided that Honor demanded that he die immediately and ordered his funeral pyre be built. What? Yeah, he'd lost a battle. He couldn't possibly go on. At this point, his nervous advisors pointed out that losing a battle was hardly the end of the world. They could easily come back from this. It's not as if they were wiped out. Yeah, we let them win, sir. (laughs) Attila was eventually convinced not to kill himself, and the Huns start slowly making their way back to the Rhine, pillaging, taking towns as they go, but heading in the direction of the Rhine. Aetius follows, not confident enough to attack, and just very glad that the Huns were... Kind of retreating. Does it count as a retreat? They're still attacking all our <laughs> land, but they're going in the right direction.
0: Just going away. keep going.
1: And eventually the Huns leave Gaul. Aetius had done it. Gaul was saved. Sort of. Apart from the large swathes of it was, yeah. it was burning. Yeah. <laughs> but it wasn't over because Attila, understandably, was not happy. It was time to show the West just who he was. He was Attila the Hun. He spent the winter preparing. Come spring, he was ready. This time, he was not going to plunder the provinces. This time, he was heading into the heart of the empire. He was going to lay Italy to waste. Atius, meanwhile, was attempting to reform the Gallic coalition, get the band back together. Worked last time. Yeah, had they one-hit wonder. Yeah, but found that the forces in Gaul were less keen to fight for the survival of Italy. <laughs> Like, yeah, we're, we're a fight to the death for our own land, but don't really care about down there. Yeah, screw uh, you. Yeah. We've never liked you lie anyway. <laughs> so things were looking bad. Aetius simply did not have enough troops to block the passes, effectively. There was no way of even slowing Attila down. The best he could do was heavily fortify Aquileia, the first city that would be in Itali- Attila's path, and hope for the best. Sure enough, Attila reaches Aquileia. He looked at the walls and had a moment of doubt, apparently. <sighs> Aquileia has popped up a lot in our story, hasn't it, as a city? Marcus Aurelius turned it into a fort when he was on campaign against the northern barbarians. Severus stayed there for a while. Maximinus Thrax sieged it and was killed just outside of Aquileia. An imperial palace was built there in Diocletian's time. Constantine, too, was killed by his brother just outside as well. A lot's gone on in this city in our podcast. It was a big city, it was important. Yeah, it, it had some very, very impressive defences. And Aetius had garrisoned it to the hilt to make it even stronger. It was quite possibly the most fortified city Attila had ever faced by Constantinople. So should he risk this? If he does this and lose, he's lost two things in a row. But according to legend, Attila then spotted a stork. A bird. Yes. And this stork, who had nested in one of the towers in the walls, was one by one carrying its young from the tower to some nearby trees outside the city. Attila announced that the stork clearly knew something terrible was about to happen to the city and was getting out while it could. (laughs) This makes up Attila's mind. They attack. (laughs) Attila's and the Hun's frustration about last year's campaign comes out. Aquileia wasn't merely sacked, it was razed to the ground. Oh dear. The city, to all intents and purposes, ceases to exist. Goodbye, Aquileia. We won't be seeing that anymore. Okay. <laughs> there is a theory that those that did manage to escape the slaughter hid in some swampy land just down the coast. And this refugee settlement turns into Venice. Oh. Yeah. Nice. But that's for that's for the future. Back to
0: Attila. <laughs> to move around like big, long, carved out logs. Yeah. We could, we could do this for a job, couldn't we? Yeah. Having big, long sticks. <laughs> yeah. This is much better than facing
1: Hunnic Barbarians. Yeah, I've got a song coming to my head. <laughs> when the moon hits your <laughs> eye. I you think that's how they were escaping the Huns? <laughs> yes. <laughs> the Huns just so confused. You know, just, the... just leave them. Leave yeah. them to it. A... <clears throat> they scare me more than Constantinople do. <laughs> so once Attila had cracked this heavy, heavily fortified city, the path was open into Italy. Attila sweeps in takes city after city after city, until eventually he reaches Milan, which, although was no longer technically the capital, was still the richest and most prosperous city in Italy. What? Yeah. It took a little bit of time, it was well fortified, but sure enough, Attila takes it and rips it apart. By this time, Valentinian and the royal court had retreated from Ravenna, which was deemed a little bit too close for comfort, <laughs> and headed south to Rome. The emperor's back in Rome. Oh, Rome. Rome. Which, yes, it has its walls. But that's never stopped Attila before. <laughs> and we don't have an army to stop them anymore. We've got nothing. They realise that this is it. Attila just needs to head south and we're all dead. It's the end of the Empire. So they have a meeting and they decide there was um, only one thing they could do. What do they do? Last-minute drinking session? <laughs> Probably. Probably. <laughs> But when they're all hung over the next day and they realise that solved nothing. They <laughs> up, stand. They come up with a cunning plan. They would send the Pope, who is Leo I at this time. The Pope being very much lead bishop okay. at this time. You've got popes in all the lead cities. This is before you had just a the Pope. But this is head bishop of Rome, who is seen as more important than all the other bishops. Okay. So Pope Leo would go north to Milan. And this was a cunning
0: plan. He would ask Attila... Very nicely to leave. I would. I wish I was there when the, when the orders were given to Pope Leo. <laughs> no. You, you want me to what now? <laughs> oh. But you have got on your side. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Can't beat a Tiller.
1: Pope Leo heads off. He arrives in Milan. He notices that Milan's been redecorated slightly. Hmm. Lots of paintings of Romans conquering Gothic lands had been altered. (laughs) It's now lots of dead Romans. Yeah. All the floors seem to have a lot of red hue to them. Yeah, apparently Attila did not like the paintings and artwork he found in Milan and made alterations. Okay. Yeah. So he's walking through all this defaced artwork and over the corpses of Romans, and he goes into the uh, building where Attila is, and he does what he's sent to do. He asks very nicely... Attila, could you please leave? And
0: what happens? What's well, one, two things? Yeah. Either Attila goes <laughs> no, yeah, and then kills him, or goes, yeah, all right. Which one? Oh no, I think I think he leaves. Yes, he does. Oh yes. Attila says, "All right, then."
1: They pack up and they go home. Oh, <laughs> which is ridiculous, isn't it? There's got to be more to it than this, and obviously there is. There were several reasons why Attila turns back at this point, but there are three main ones. None of them are the fact that the Pope passed nicely. (laughs) (laughs) So, first of all, it's logistics. The Romans had managed to conquer so much in their time because they were so organised. Attila simply did not have the infrastructure to keep his forces out for too long. during his rampage in the east... His armies had covered around five hundred kilometres because he was based in the east. Mm. But coming to the west, he was travelling double that in both his Western campaigns. It got to the point where he just could not supply his men anymore. They needed feeding. There's only so much you can get living off the land. Yeah, especially when the burns it all. Yeah. So they were they were getting hungry. They needed feeding. Plus, their heavy wagons were full of loot by this point, so they were becoming quite slow and didn't have many wagons to store food. Probably in the past, lots of them were going, we need somewhere to store the gold. Oh, get rid of the grain. We don't need that. So that's number one. Second reason, disease. Oh. Attila's men were starting to get ill. Now, this is always a danger when you're on campaign. Disease runs through your camp. And this is what had started to happen. Attila sensibly realised that you don't want to risk staying in enemy territory when all your men are getting ill. Yeah. Probably best head back while we're winning. Finally, there was a message from home. Apparently, this new emperor in the east... Remember, Theodosius is dead. So the new emperor in the east had stopped paying the money. In fact, he was attacking. And with Mm -hmm. almost all the soldiers with Attila, this meant that all the people left behind were very vulnerable. So all the Hunnic soldiers suddenly started thinking about their wives and children back home. So, when the head bishop turns up with a large chest of gold, because he didn't (laughs) just ask, obviously, he also gave some money, and says, "Can you please go away? Attila probably just smiled to himself at the fact he was being paid to do exactly what he was about to do anyway. Excellent. Yeah, fine, I'll go. Collects the gold and heads off. But he would be back. He had only done half the job. He was going to be back in Italy within the year and burn the place to the ground, he probably said as he stormed (laughs) off. But actually, Mm. he won't. Oh. Because within a year, Attila's dead. What? Yes. Not in an epic battle. Not even by an assassin. One night after one of his weddings, he had quite a few apparently, (laughs) he died. Oh. Either he choked on his own vomit whilst drunk. Oh. Or he burst a blood vessel... Whilst drunk. Sources differ apart from the drunk part. <laughs> <laughs> We're quite clear he was drunk. He's kind of the way you'd probably want to go, to be honest. Yeah, probably. And just like that, the world was a safer place. Everyone in Europe's going, oh, thank God. But the damage was done. Mm. Due to Attila drawing away the Romans, the Vandals now fully control Africa and several Mediterranean islands. The economic heartland has been ripped out and or the rich northern cities, have been sacked. So now we're getting to the end. <laughs> Introduce one more character, just just at the end. Okay. Petronius Maximus. Might want to... Petronius Maximus? Mm. It's like a Harry Potter spell. Yeah, underline him. Pop him in a box if you want, because we're going to talk about him more in a future episode. But for now, just know that he was a senator and he disliked Aetius. And while Aetius was away fighting and attempting desperately to hold back the barbarians, Petronius was able to work his way with Valentinian. And it did not take much what with Aetius's chequered background in terms of loyalty, to convince Valentinian that Aetius was planning to take over now his mother was gone. Ooh. A plan was hatched. And Aetius was called to visit the Emperor. What do you think the plan
0: was? To kill him? How? Stabby Stabby or poisony poisony.
1: It's the first one. You oh. might be surprised exactly how it happens. Because while Aetius was giving a report, apparently Valentinian suddenly accused Aetius of treason. <laughs> I'd like to think he's just muttered it quite quietly. Aetius is saying, We have 40,000 treason. Uh, sorry, what, what, what oh, was nothing, that? Nothing, nothing. Okay. <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> and then suddenly, this bit that might surprise you Valentinian himself draws out a sword, rushes at his defenceless advisor, and strikes him in the head. Oh. Aetius dies instantly. Valentinian, the only thing he does all episode... Is kill the one guy that could do stuff. With his bare hands. When was the last time we saw an emperor kill someone with their bare hands? That's true, yeah. Yeah, that's quite, that's quite good. Yeah. If you're only going to do one thing all episode, <laughs> that's quite impressive. In fact, everyone was so shocked by this. And had the same reaction as you. One person said to Valentinian, "You have cut your right hand off with your left." Yeah, it's
0: like, what have you done, you idiot? <laughs> you know those like barbarians and goths and stuff. He's quite good at that. Yeah, not anymore. He's dead. You killed him. What are we gonna do now, Valentinian? Um, I? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> not
1: only that, but this move ultimately leads to leads to his downfall as well. Because within the year, he was assassinated. Okay. Two of Aetius' followers were in a camp when Valentinian arrived to practice archery. They approach the emperor, draw their swords, and cut him down as he's dismounting his horse. Oh dear. We don't know the full details of why this happened, but as Petronius Maximus declared himself emperor the very next day... Oh. (laughs) Perhaps he had something to do with it, but we'll go into that in this episode. I have no idea. (laughs) There you go, that's... I say that's Valentinian. That's Aetius and Attila with a bit of vandals thrown in. <laughs> Valentinian 3 happened to be there at the time. <laughs> just happened to be the figurehead. That's but very interesting. I do like how narratively both Attila and Aetius are killed off before Valentinian 3, but just before he dies, just, just to make it nice and neat. <clears throat> which yeah. Which is good. It's like I finished a chapter. Yeah. So there you go. Right. Let's rate him. Fighting Maximus. Okay, fighting. He he did nothing himself whatsoever. No. However, under him, Aetius did some very impressive stuff, and yep. we've got to give Valentinian the credit for Aetius, despite the fact Valentinian killed Aetius, which yeah. seems a bit unfair. So uh, I don't know, it's tricky. And also, if you take into consideration that under Valentinian, all of Africa's lost, several Mediterranean islands are lost, Spain. all of Spain is lost. <clears throat> The Empire now is literally Italy, parts of Gaul, and the Danube region. Mm. And even that, only parts of the Danube region.
0: Yeah. yeah. The, the Empire's got smaller, but that, that, that's more success, isn't that it? That is thats more success. So we've been just looking at the fighting. Well, Aetius did very, very well in his name. He, he used the Hunnic army, which is, I think, strategically very clever thing to do. If we were judging
1: Aetius, let's judge Aetius. This won't be the final score.
0: Jude Aetius can take away seven.
1: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) okay. If we're judging Aetius, he defeats
0: Attila the Hun. I mean,
1: that. He's the only person that ever defeats Attila the Hun.
0: Yeah, good point. And that is very, very impressive. Um, He also beats barbarians back. He uses clever strategy with the Hunnic army. He does. Um, He He did lose a battle against
1: Boneyface. He did. But he did kill Boniface during that battle. And he came out winner. Personally, so ultimately he wins that, that Civil and he, War. He did,
0: yeah, he won the Civil War. Yeah. Because of it. Uh, so it's all very impressive, <laughs> um, but... He got back Spain. He settled Spain for a bit.
1: Yeah, but that's it. It's all for a bit, because as much as he managed to fight back Attila the first mm. time, only just... And then Attila just walks into Italy and then walks back
0: out again. And 80s yeah. can do nothing. His defences are steamrolled over. Well, at the moment, what it feels like, metaphor time. Yeah. It feels like um, like if you're knocking down dominoes, it's going on a trail. You're yeah. trying to pick them up as they're falling. Yes. But they're still going to keep falling.
1: He was clearly a very good general, but it's just everything's, like you say, it's falling around him. Out of his control. Um, so, another time, another place. If I was judging him alone, I'd probably go for about seven no, seven because eight, he's yeah. impressed me, but you can't deny the fact that he ultimately is a loser.
0: <laughs> well, I, I think everyone is at this point.
1: Yeah, apart from Matilda Also, don't forget, you can't fight back Gaceric either. Yeah, so, I think yeah. seven or
0: eight, seven. Yeah, I think seven's good. So, final scene three. Zero? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to give him one. I'll give him one because he didn't know his name. Yeah, Yeah. I'll, I'll give him a token one. Approvium <laughs> Crazy
1: Okay, you might not be too surprised here. There's not much on him. No. Apart from general generic accusations against his character. There are several things like this that I'm about to quote. But Placidia, his mother, had reared this emperor and educated him in an altogether effeminate manner, and in consequence he was filled with wickedness from childhood for he associated mainly with sorcerers and those who busy themselves with the stars, and being an extraordinary zealous pursuer of love affairs with other men's wives, he conducted himself in the most indecent manner, although he was married to a woman of exceptional beauty. It's generally just stuff like that. He wasn't very capable, and he wasn't very nice. There's not really any details. There is one story where he is accused of raping someone, which oh. isn't very nice. No. But this is one of the wives of the plotters of his assassination. And hmm. it's quite likely just a story made up afterwards yeah. as a reason for his assassination. Yeah. We just don't know enough about that one. But of course there is one big elephant in the room that we've not covered. Oh, yeah. Yes. What? Yes. The the one thing he does that obviously we can't miss because it's the only thing he does. What's that? He stabs someone in the face in the middle of a meet. Oh yeah, yeah. That that's pretty. That's pretty dramatic. Yeah, I I I honestly can't think of the last time an emperor personally killed someone. Yeah, you did say
0: that's that a good point,
1: and not just. Anyone. This is Aetius. This is the man who's holding
0: the Empire together. The savior, you could argue. Yeah,
1: you could. And he stabbed him in the
0: face. Well, that's going to earn him some points. Yeah, that, that's quite dramatic. Because uh, before that, I would have scored him zero. But, uh... Yeah. Uh, there, there's, well, there's, unfortunately, there's, like we've
1: said, there's not much to him. Mm. But this story is going to claw some points. Can you yeah. imagine that meeting
0: where Ooh. they're just going over the accounts? <laughs> And then, because I'm guessing he's not very good with the sword. No, imagine the poor butler standing there with a glass of wine, <laughs> and i just waiting to serve them. Oh, my God! <laughs> but he doesn't dare drop it. No. Ateus
1: just on the floor with the sword still sticking out his face. Ooh, oh, yeah. it's nasty.
0: Yeah, mm, it is. Yeah, so anyway. Um, well, before that, yeah, I would have scored him zero, but that's a good point. Um, but I don't think I, I feel, I still don't feel i like can scoring more than one. You're only giving him one point. That, that's the only thing he for did. stabbing the saviour of the Empire in the face.
1: Of okay, the two of the points. Okay, I'll give him two. Um, I'm going higher. I think that that's a fairly big one. I'm not going huge. He did, exactly did it
0: under false pretenses, though. He's, he, you know, he was pretty much in, told to, wasn't he?
1: Yeah, that's true. I'm going to three. I so think I want, that's quite a big thing, though. Okay. So, yeah. so that's a total of five for crazy. Five for crazy. Success ultimate.
0: This isn't going to be his round. I Well, no. The Empire's gone from having stuff to not having stuff.
1: Yeah. I mean, he did pass those laws to try and build the economy up slightly. And he told everyone to arm themselves to the teeth. <laughs> <laughs> but, Get spatched at that boys. Yeah. I mean, bad is one example of a bad law he passed. Um, he stopped all Jews from being in the army because he That's... thought they'd be a bad influence on the Christian soldiers. I mean... That's bad in itself, for obvious reasons, of racism. But, on top of that, you don't have an army as it is. Stop
0: telling people they can't be in the army. I mean, imagine now, if somebody did that now. They banned a certain group of people from being in the army. For no reason. Yeah, it'd be ridiculous. It would
1: be ridiculous. So, yeah, that was silly of him. More territory is lost under him than anyone else. I mean, that, that's not good, is it? Nope. No. I the, scored him already. The economy has completely collapsed.
0: The empire's now broke. Italy, Gaul, Africa, Spain are utterly sacked. Uh, what you said was, a, I, I think, the most poignant point. It's like, now a gust of wind could blow the empire over. It's yeah. so delicate at the moment.
1: I see you've already put a zero down. It's obviously a zero. Yeah, it can't be anything but. This is awful. Image
0: Face. Okay, what's it look like? I think even he knew what he looked like. Probably not. I'm just gonna do the generic one that's been around before. Quite a thin face, nose, weird looking up eyes, looking at heaven because it's all Christiano based now. Curly hair with a laurel thing in his hair, like a round band thing in his hair. Yeah, they
1: do love that band, and
0: maybe a bit of a cleft chin. Oh yeah, that's what it looks like.
1: Oh, there's his coin. Big eyes, weird. That's an alien. Very strange nose that turns into an eyebrow. Um, well, mind you that. Oh, yeah, oh, that's true. Mm. Uh, yeah, weird coin. And we have a bust that may be him. We're not 100% certain about the bust. It's like chubby
0: face, I expected. Yeah. But he's got the band in his hair. Yeah. Weird fringy thing. Eyes staring up classily.
1: It's not great. For it's some not reason terrible. he's wearing armour as well.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's fairly middle of the road. Look, look at account. the armour. I don't know if that's just stylistic, but it's got more of a kind of like a fish scale effect now. Like plated. Um, like Instead of a big plate sheets of metal, it's like little yes. overlapping fish scaley type. I don't yeah. know what that's called. No, I no, you know no, what I mean. No. But I know what you mean.
1: Yeah, yeah. Times are changing. Hmm. Um. Not taking pretty generic,
0: really. Four? Yeah. Go, go, match that. It's a total of two then. Temple completely. How long does he last? I was gonna uh, 20, 30 years.
1: Oh, well done. Really? Yes. <laughs> Forty-five to three-five-five. Five.
0: Yes. That is thirty years. So, do I have about eight? It'd be like three point something. Three point eight. Something like that, I reckon.
1: That gives him a a very impressive 3.75. They're close. close. That's a 3.7. Yeah. So if you add all that together, that is a total
0: of 12.75. That's pretty pathetic. It's not great, is it? If fact, I, I don't even want to know where he ranks in the thing, because... No,
1: it's down there near the bottom, isn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah. And classic. also, I've not got my laptop on me today, so... Oh dear. <laughs>
0: but um it, it's not good. It's not great, no. He's a bit... deservedly so.
1: Yeah, he did nothing. As one of our listeners pointed out, we've hit the stage where the generals are more interesting than the emperors now. That's very, very, very true. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Despite that, however, who knows? Maybe he has it.
0: Um, Do they have a certain genie Caesar? Nope. Aetius, does he deserve it? Oh, Aetius deserves it. He beat Attila the Hun. The only person ever to beat Attila the Hun.
1: He did, but how much? Because Aetius, like I said, he is very famous in Roman history. Constantius III, I personally had not come across much.
0: Mm. I guess I guess the Attila thing, that's what yeah, sort Yeah, of I suppose it is the Attila it.
1: thing, isn't it? I'm still more impressed by Constantius three than Aetius, though. I am impressed right. with Aetius, but...
0: I, I think Constantius three stabilised it by... His, on his death, things were more stable. Yeah, that's true. It kept ebbing and flowing. Aetius should have died in the battle
1: where he defeated Attila. Yes. Oh, then it would have been brilliant. Yeah. Yeah someone should have told him
0: let's give Aetius a seat in the Colosseum
1: yeah he can watch well done Aetius he can sit next to Stilicho yeah and Alaric and Anthemius and all the other powerful men that we've had recently and the guy that
0: wrote stuff what's his name the beginning
1: oh yeah we've got some of our sources watching yeah. as well haven't yeah. we yeah right anyway so that's a no though oh yeah no. for uh, Valentinian 3 oh out of interest did he beat Valentinian 2 yes he beats Valentinian 2 well, that's not hard no he was a child (laughs) but obviously doesn't beat Valentinian one
0: no whose bears got him so many points (laughs) right okay then so that's it for this week hope you enjoyed listening don't forget you can follow us on our Facebook page you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram you can also download us on Podbean iTunes and Stitcher and next week we go east for the last time for this
1: series we finish off the Theodosian dynasty
0: Is this with uh, Petronas? No, this is Marcian, who I've
1: not mentioned at all yet. and He's technically not really Theodosian, uh, but he is sort of in a way. We'll discuss it next week. Anyway, so we're going to go east for the last time, and then we finally come back to the west, and we finish (coughs) off the last emperors of the west. Oh Yes. So, until then, do you think these walls will hold? I hope so. Goodbye. Goodbye.
0: Okay, Leo, you can do this. Come on, Leo, pull yourself together. Come on. Come on. All right, just speak to Attila, start him right in the eye, just tell him he must go. He's gotta go. Because of the, the all the children, all the families. Um got to just appeal to easy humanity. I mean I, I I mean if he says no, I can always run away. I was I was a captain of my running team at school, cross country. Uh, you know, I can probably outrun the army, um that weighed down with their armour. Won't outrun the arrows, but maybe won't have time. Come on, Leo, pull yourself together. Come on, okay, so just walk in there. Go right up to him. I, I can do this. I can do this. Remember, eye contact. Don't look away. Look mean, look like I'm mean business. I heard that I know the Huns can smell fear. right?
1: Until I will see you now.
0: Oh God Hello. What do you want? Um, I, I was, Look at me when you're talking! Okay, 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 okay. Um, um, I, was, I was wondering if you'd you, please, if it's okay? and you've, Yes? Uh, and you've got nothing better to do, because uh, you're so great and compassionate, and we all love you here in Rome, all the Romans love you. Go on. Um, we, we're just wondering if, if you want to, not demanding anything, if you want to, would you please go away? Yeah, alright then.
1: Go huh? on, lads. Back up. We're going home.
0: Oh, thank God.